You are about to hear a message preached at Church One on the Gold Coast. To find out more about Church One, visit us on the web at churchone.com.au. And be sure to subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on any new messages as they are available. I just needed to share this with you. And it's Leviticus 28. If I can ever find it. No, not Leviticus. Deuteronomy. (laughs) Deuteronomy 28. Verse 7 says, The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. And I just had a vision when I read that this morning of demonic powers just fleeing in every direction as we stand. Amen. As we stand in the authority that we have in Christ. And there's so much fear being thrown around now. And fear will paralyze you. But we stand in the name of Jesus and declare we are not afraid. Amen. And the enemy flees from us. Amen. Praise God. That's not what I'm ministering on this morning. I just felt I needed to to share that. We've, We've had some wonderful teaching over the past few weeks on kingdom relationships, haven't we? It's been just fantastic. But, you know, one of the things about kingdom relationships is we will never fully embrace kingdom relationships unless we embrace a relationship with ourselves. Who am I? Knowing my identity, knowing who am I. So over the next few weeks, we'll be talking a little bit about who am I. And this morning, I want to talk about a particular man and his journey to discovering the identity that God had, had, had placed in him. And if you want a title for this, it's called Flawed, Failed and Fearful. Just the man God can use. And the story is set in in the book of Judges. Uh, It was a period after Israel had gone in and possessed uh, the promised land. And there they were in the promised land. And uh, they didn't have a king at this stage, but uh, they had judges would rise from time to time. The, The people of Israel would kind of fall away a bit from following God and as a result, enemies would, would oppress them and then God would raise up a judge and would deliver them. And so this process went on uh, year after year after year. And uh, I want you to imagine that you're in that period of time and there you are and you're a farmer and you have, you've had a harvest of wheat and you know that in order to provide for your family and those around you, you need to thresh that wheat and get it ready for processing and because you're afraid of this enemy that's, that's, that's been oppressing you, you're threshing it in a hole in the ground to hide it from the enemy. Now, many of you will already know that the person I'm talking about, of course, is Gideon. And in Judges chapter 6, I want you to open up your Bibles and follow this story with me this morning. Uh, if you've got your, 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 your paper Bibles or your, or your phones, I want you to follow this with me because what we see is how Gideon went through a process where eventually he became the man that God said that he was. And, and so I've set, I've set the scene there where, where Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, a wine press, basically in biblical times, was a hole in the ground. It was usually built in, uh, in among rocks that, that made it sort of below ground level. So it was like a hole in the ground where he was threshing his wheat, which is normally done out in the open because he was afraid of the Midianites who would come and steal the wheat and, and rob them of, of their food. So uh, I'm going to pick it up in Judges chapter 6 and verse 11. Now an angel of the Lord 
came and sat under the terabith at, at Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abysrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So there he was, a man in fear. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valour. Now, the angel said this to a man who was hiding. A man who was, we would look and say, he's, he's a bit of a coward as he's hiding from these Midianites. And yet the angel of the Lord came to, came to him and called him a mighty man of valour. What does the Lord call you? How do you feel you are? What does the Lord say about you? Well, about Gideon, he said he was a mighty man of valour. And it says in verse 13, Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And God said to Gideon, go with what you've got. Start off with what you've got. Most of us, you know, we start on this journey and, and God seems to put something in our heart. and we, Oh, I can't do that. It's just too big. It's too hard. I'm not, I'm not the right person for this. But God says, go in the strength that you have. Go with what you've got. Take a step. Make the first move and begin to go. And that's really what he was saying to Gideon. And Gideon responded and said, please, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my father's house. You see, Gideon's perceived identity was based on his circumstances, upon his family situation. And so many of us, when we're considering who am I, we look at our circumstances, we look at our history, we look at our failures, we look at our successes, we look at what life has brought us and we judge what our identity is based upon our circumstances. And that's exactly what Gideon was doing. He's saying, I'm the weakest, I'm the lowest, a small family. How can I do this thing? How can I be a mighty man of valour? I'm just a nobody, I'm just a nothing. Does that ring true with anybody? Yeah, sure. And the Lord said to him, and this is a real key, but I will be with you. I will be with you, knowing that the Lord is with me as I embark upon the thing that God has called me to do. I must know that God is with me. And you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And so on. And then as he, as he had this interaction with God, with this angel, speaking the word of God to him, he then said in verse 18, Oh, in 17, he said to him, Now, if I've found favour in your eyes, then show me a sign that is you who speak to me. Please do not depart from me until I come to you and bring out my present and set before you. And Gideon's first response was to begin to worship. It's interesting, this man who was in fear, he began to worship God and he laid out a sacrifice there. And, and um, anyway, I won't go through the whole story because you know, we need to move on quickly. And verse 24 says, Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. So ultimately what Gideon did there is he built an altar to the Lord. He established worship in his life as he was starting to, to find this identity. God had spoken into his life and yet Gideon still hadn't taken hold of it. 
It still hadn't outworked in his life. And like many of us, you know, God has said something over us to identify who we are and yet taking hold of it and living it and walking in it is another thing. And so there's a, I believe there's a journey that we go on as we, as we discover this because it's, it's easy to say something about myself that God has said, but it's another thing for it to be in my heart and to be in my actions and, and to be outworked in my life. Right, verse 25, that night the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and the second bull seven years old and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold there were stones laid in due order. So the first thing God told him to do was to tear down the altar of Baal and to tear down the Asherah, to tear down the things that the nation was worshipping, to establish true worship of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. And that's something we need to do in our lives. You know, what, what is it? What altar is it that you worship at? What altar is it? And so, it's not always, you know, doing something obvious, but, but sometimes it's, it's simple things. Can I just share with you a little story from my own life about an altar that I had to tear down? Now, many of you will know, some of you will know that um, one of the things I served with great fervour in my younger days was sport. And uh, at this particular time, I'd, I'd taken up golf, and I, I loved my golf. And uh, so, you know, I'd, I'd knock off work as early as I could, and it was in, in Sydney in daylight saving time, and I'd rush off to the golf course, get a bucket of balls, practice my swing, practice hitting golf balls, and I just lived for golf, you know. And I was a member of a golf club, and I'd play every Saturday in the competition. And, and one day I was um, there playing in the competition I'm coming up the 18th field I remember it as clearly as though it was yesterday and I just hit a beautiful five iron into the green landed nicely on the green and I thought this is good I'm loving this it was a beautiful day and I'm walking up towards the, the green and the Lord spoke to me he said I want you to walk off this golf course and never walk on it again and my heart sank <laughs> but I knew it was God so I finished that round, shook hands with my opponents and finished the day and went home. And that week I wrote a letter of resignation to the golf club, put the golf clubs away and said, that's it. Lord, I realised that I'd made this thing an idol and I needed to get rid of it. And so I did. I said, that's it. I will never play golf again. But I had a sense of peace in that and a sense of joy. This is, this is something God had called me to do. You know, but what's amazing, about six months later, I was just doing something and God spoke to me and said, you can go back on the golf course now. And I was able to go back. And you know what? I enjoyed my golf so much more after that. <laughs> but it wasn't an idol anymore. It was something that I could enjoy. There was nothing wrong with golf itself. But there was something very wrong with where I'd put it in my life. There was something very wrong with how I viewed it. Something very wrong in the place that it took. But God, once I gave it up back to God, he gave it back to me, but in a much better way. God wants us to get rid of those idols in our life, whatever they are, whether it's your job, your career, your family, your sport, whatever it may happen to be. Part of fulfilling the identity that God has called you to be is getting rid of those idols. So we read on and uh, he, he went to do that, but in verse 27, the second part of verse 27, but because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. 
Gideon was still a fearful man. God had called him to tear down this, these idols, but he did it at night because he was afraid of the men of the town. See, he hadn't yet really become, in terms of his attitudes and his action, the man of valour that God had said that he was. So he was on a journey. He was on a journey. Anyway, in the end, that was, he did that and that, and that was, was all good. Now read down a little bit further in verse 33. Now all the Midianites and the Malachites and the people of the east came together and they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon and he sounded the trumpet. Something happened to Gideon when these enemy armies were arrayed against them. Something happened. That some, some translations say the spirit of God came upon him. But actually what it says is the spirit of God clothed him. The Spirit of God clothed him. He became um, enclosed, clothed by the Spirit of God. And with that, he became, he was able to, to sound the trumpet and call the nation with an authority that came, with this anointing that came upon him. And if we're going to really move and become the kind of man that God wants us to be, we need to be clothed with the Holy Spirit. We need to seek to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that the Spirit of God just flows out of us. I've had some amazing experiences recently um, where I've been in, in the presence of people and they've actually recognised, they've actually, even secular, non-Christian people have recognised the presence of God and the Spirit of God flowing out of me, touching them. It's, it's exciting when that happens, you know, not just in church but out there in the world, in some of the places I go, for people to experience the presence of the Spirit of God flowing through us. Amen. Do you want that? Amen. So do I. More and more. Bring it on, Lord. Then, of course, a story that we're very familiar with is, is Gideon's Fleece. You know, probably most people know about the story about Gideon's Fleece. Anyway, to, to cut the long story short, he said to God, look, I'm still not sure about this, so just so I can be sure, if I lay a fleece of wool out on the ground and dew falls and all the ground's wet and the fleece is dry, I'll know that, that you want me to do this. So he was still full of doubt. He was still full of fear. He still wasn't sure about this call of God that was on his life. So, of course, in due course that happened. And he said, well, Lord, please don't be angry with me, but now if I lay out again and the ground is dry but the fleece is wet, then I will really know that you've called me to do this. And so in due course, that's exactly what happened. You see, one of the things I've realised over my life is that as I've journeyed through my journey, as I've travelled and you know, grown through, the, through, through my journey, that God will meet me where I am. God will meet me because God doesn't stand up there and say, you know, you've just got to be better. What he does is he reaches down to me and joins with me and says, take my hand and I will lead you on this journey. I'll, be, I'll hold you by the hand as you work through the issues in your life, as you work through things like your family of origin, things like the hurts and wounds of the past, as you work through your failures and, and your, your lack of, of self-esteem and all those sort of things. I will work with you. I'll walk with you and I'll take you on this journey because, you know, God wants us to get to the place that he's called us to be. God wants it more than what we do. He wants it for you because he knows that's the best for you because he loves you. All right, where am I up to? <laughs> We're on over, over to chapter 7 now. You doing all right? You enjoying this or enduring it? 
Good, amen. <laughs> Chapter 7. Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod, and the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Moriah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into the hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilgal. Then 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. See, God was saying to Gideon, you've got this great army with you. It's too many. You don't need all that. You, you need something else. You, just, you don't need 20, uh, 32,000 men. So 22,000 of them were fearful, so they went home. Because you see, God wants us to move on with people of faith, with people who believe God, with people who are ready to move in, in, the, in the spirit of God to move in the things of God people who will encourage you and lift you up amen so then the story goes on that uh, God said it's still too many so I want you to go down to the water and get all the men to, to have a drink and some, some will put their face down the water and drink and some will put their hand up and drink as well and it turns out that only 300 drank that way and God said they're the ones you're going to take with you I've often wondered about that, and I think the reason is men who put their face down in the water then were not alert, ready for war, but people who put their hand up to their mouth were looking, where is this enemy? They're ready for war, and God wants us to go together to war with people who are ready to fight the battle. Amen? Amen. That's what God wants us to do. God wants people to come together, be ready to fight the battle, to be ready to win the war, to be ready to take a hold of the things of God and see God move. Amen? Amen. I want to be one of those 300. In fact, I'd like to be Gideon. <laughs> Amen. So that's what he said. With the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. So you see, Gideon's getting all these great signs. And, you know, the interesting thing is God stripped him right down, you know, from 32,000 to 300. Now... The task looks impossible. There's all the Midianites and Amalekites all out there, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of them. And here I am, Gideon, and I've got 300 men. This is impossible. <laughs> but with God, all things are possible. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. So... We're going a little bit further in verse 9. That same night the Lord said to him, Rise and go down against the camp, for I've given it into your hand. God's still giving him a promise. But he said, If you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Puri, your servant. Now God said, If you're afraid to go down, go down. In other words, if you have a fear, the way to deal with that fear is to confront it. It's not to run away from it. Man, I've spent half of my life running away from things I'm afraid of. But you've got to face your fear. Another sporting illustration from my own life. Um, I, I was quite a, a good cricket player in my day. And um, has anybody ever heard of a man named Geoffrey Thompson? Okay, Jeff Thompson um, was um, reputedly or arguably the fastest bowler that's ever played cricket. He would send the ball down at about 160 kilometres an hour. Now, I want you to understand, the cricket ball is five and a half ounces of rock-hard leather with a seam. 
if it hits you, it can do serious damage. And in the days that I played, we didn't have helmets. And I can remember the first day that I was playing first grade cricket in Sydney in the grade competition and went out to bat and faced Geoffrey Thompson. And he was hurling that ball down at 160 kilometres an hour. <laughs> and I don't have any head protection. I have very little protection at all. I was afraid. <laughs> and who wouldn't be? If you're not afraid in those circumstances, you're not human. And when, when you're there batting like that, and from the time the ball leaves his hand till the time it reaches me, it's less than half a second. And this thing is travelling at 160 kilometres an hour. Who wouldn't be afraid? <laughs> but you see, what I had to do was go out there. Everything in me is screaming, get out of here, run. But I had to stand there and face that fear. I had to stand there and face that fear and win that battle within myself. And that's what we have to do. You may not be afraid of a cricket ball coming at 160 kilometres an hour. You might be afraid of failure. You might be afraid in some relationship. You might, it could be all sorts of things you could be afraid of. And God says to you this day, don't run from your fear. Face it. Stand and look it in the eye and say, fear, you don't have a place in my life. Fear, you don't belong in me. Fear, you have no place or no right or authority over my life. And I will not be dictated to by fear. Amen. I think that's a fairly current topic, isn't it? There's so much fear going around the world right now. And we need to stand and say, I will face my fear. I will face my fear and stand. That's what Gideon, God was really trying to get Gideon to do. So he said, if you're afraid to go down, go down. Take pure your servant. And then, of course, um, he went down there and, uh, and they, they were sort of hiding ne near the camp. And um, he, heard a, he heard one of the um, people down there um, recount a dream that he had. He, he said this, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. We're on verse 13 of chapter 7. And came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned upside down, so the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, This is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given this, his hand into his hand Midian and all the camp. And that was one of the Midianites spoke that out. And that, that gave Gideon the encouragement and suddenly something happened in him. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped. He worshipped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. Something happened in Gideon. He'd taken that step. Now he'd stepped over the line. Now he'd gone from fear to faith. Now he had, he had a belief that God was going to do this and he's able to speak forth the word of God. He's going to say, God has given us this, this, this enemy. God has given us the victory and no longer was he in fear and saying, God, how are you going to do it? Now he's saying, no matter what the circumstances are, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. My God has said, I will win and I'm going to win. God is going to bring us through. Amen. That's what he was saying. God is going to bring us through. Hallelujah. And God will do the same for you in the battle you're facing, in the fears that you're confronting. God will bring you through. Gideon had become the man of valour. 
Gideon had actually become what God had already said that he was. He'd become the mighty warrior. And of course, um, we won't read all the verses, but the story then goes on to how he said to his men, all right, 300 men break up into three, three companies, 100 each. And when I give the shout, uh, you've, got, you've got torches, jars and, and trumpets. Break the torches, break the jars so the light comes out. Blow your trumpet and say for the Lord and for Gideon. And that's exactly what they did. They broke the jars, blew the trumpet, cried for the Lord and for Gideon. And the enemy army was thrown into utter confusion by 300 men, thousands upon 10,000s of, of, of enemy were there in the valley and they began to slaughter one another and ran and they were defeated by 300 men by the power of God, amen, by the authority that he'd given to Gideon and by the release of the faith that came through Gideon. An incredible victory. See, originally Gideon was a man whose identity was determined by his circumstances but in the end, he became the man whose identity was determined by the word of God. Amen? And that's where we're travelling to, folks. What has God said about you? What has God said about me? I just want to share two scriptures in closing that God has said about us. You see, we may not see an angel come and appear to us in the night and tell us who we are. You might if you do. Praise God. But you see, it's all in here. It's all in there. What God says about you is all in there. And I just want to share two verses with you. First John chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. John chapter 1, verses 11 to 12. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What does God say about you? What does God say about me? I am a child of God. You are a child of God. Each of us, when we have accepted Jesus Christ into our life, when we've been born again, we are children of God. Amen? We are children of God. In life, my role, my position, my status may change. In my life, I've experienced the highs and lows. I've had the, the moments when, God, you're awesome and I love you and everything's great and I've got to sense the Holy Spirit and God is wonderful. And I've experienced, God, where are you? Do you really love me? Are you really real? And no matter what, the highs and lows are like. I've had successes. I've, some things that I've rejoiced in where I've had a great success and some areas in my life or I have failed. But no matter what the highs and lows of my life are, no matter what the successes and failures, whether I'm honoured or dishonoured, one fact remains unchanged, whether I feel it or not. I am a child of God. 
no matter what. I am a child of God. Say it with me. I am a child of God. Come on. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. No matter what my circumstances, no matter what my situation, no matter whether I'm failing or succeeding, whether I feel good about myself or not, I am a child of God. You know, we people talk a lot about positive self-esteem, you know, or positive self-image. I prefer to use a different terminology. I prefer that I would walk with a godly self-image. That the image of who I am is what God says I am. And that's where my identity is. Now that identity will outwork in things that I do, but my identity is not in what I do. Over different stages of my life, you know, I've had different thought I were different identities. You know, I, as a little guy this big, my identity was the keeper of the teddy bear. <laughs> then, then I have another... I've got photos that... <laughs> there's a picture of the Barara under-14 undefeated cricket premiers. And there, sitting in the front row is a blondie-headed guy that was the star opening bowler. <laughs> that was me. So that was my identity. <laughs> then as I grew older, there's, there's another picture of the of the elite under 21 age cricket team in the Sydney competition who won the particular shield and, and, and because we won that, we actually got to meet the royal family. So I've, I've, had, I've met the Queen. I have. <laughs> and that was my identity, was, was a senior cricketer. And then other times I've been a, an accountant or a, or, a, or a general manager or a pastor. But you know, none of those things are my identity. They're just what I do. They're just what I was doing. You see, men meet each other, shake hands, how you doing? You know, I used to do this on the golf course. You'd, you'd meet guys, you'd, you'd, we'd walk around the golf course, and one of the first things they would ask is, and what do you do for a living? See, because we tend to relate according to what we do. But I was once in a, in a, in a, a gathering, and a fellow turned to me and he said, who are you? And I began to tell him what I, my job was. He said, no, who are you? <laughs> and it threw me because <laughs> I didn't really know who I was. I didn't really know who I was. But now I say, I am a child of God. Amen. I am a child of God. I am a mighty man of valor. I am what God has said that I am. And, you know, I've, I've taken to a practice lately. I get up in the morning. I do this actually several times a day. I walk to the mirror and I point at the bloke in the mirror and I say, you're a man of God. You're a child of God. You're anointed. You're a man of God. And you know what? That bloke in the mirror points right back at me <laughs> and says exactly the same thing. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Amen. You have just listened to a message preached at Church One on the Gold Coast. To find out more about Church One, visit us on the web at churchone.com.au and be sure to subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on any new messages as they are available.